welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. For more information about our faith community, feel free to visit gatewaychurch.org.nz. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this message. Good morning, good morning. Welcome back. Bless you. Good to see your faces again. I add my welcome to Gateway. My name's Matt. No, my heart am I to the message. We are continuing and concluding a series called The the Parable of the Listeners. And uh, I say concluding because we're actually finishing, but it's the fourth in a series that I started, I think, back in August last year. So it's a good time to wrap it up. Uh, If you were here last week, we had number three. Today is number four. And we're, we're springing off Luke chapter 8. We're not going to read it again this week. But Luke chapter 8, where you find what is traditionally called uh, the parable of the sower. And this series, the parable of the listeners, we've called because of the, the strong element of listening that I've been drawing out and speaking to through the series. And last week's message and this week's is one two-week Uh, combination, which is basically entitled uh, or subtitled in all of that, uh, holding fast to the Word of God to grow. We saw in the the text and in the earlier uh, messages that growth is the goal for Jesus, that Jesus is expressing in the parable to grow up, to mature, to produce fruit for the kingdom to increase in love and joy and patience and kindness and self-control. Growth is what Jesus was, was pointing us to. And he says in the parable that growth comes from hearing the word of God, holding fast in Luke 8, 15, hearing, holding fast and persevering. And so I uh, put up Uh, 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 another title, Seven Habits for Holding Fast to the Word of God and Growing. Seven Habits. And do you remember how many we got through last week? Two. I'm glad it felt like three because I'm going to race through the letter five a little bit more this morning. We got through two, thank you. And I won't ask if you remember what they were because they were read the Bible for yourself Study the Bible. And we talked about those elements that are all drawn out of the parable in some sense. And the other thing that we did was that we we looked at the faces of a handful of our gateway overseas missionaries. And I wrote to uh, these guys, about six of them, we have more than that, but I wrote to a a few that that I could talk to and get some feedback on. And so their contributions to this whole issue of holding on tight to the Word of God and growing in life, those contributions are are peppered through this message. So today, and I should just say one more thing about this as we go into it, I'm going to hang heavily on the first one this morning, habit number three. I'm going to spend most of my time on that, and then, then we're going to move relatively quickly through the latter one. So don't panic if we're we weigh in and we've still got a few to go, okay? I I will finish on time. I've timed it carefully. Habit number three. 
meditate on God's word. Now, I know that may sound to some a little unusual, a little of a strange idea, maybe, in a Pentecostal church, but let me tell you, it isn't. And I want to show you in the Bible that meditation is not weird or weak, but one of the sweetest practices and mighty for hearing God and holding on and persevering in life. And several of our Gateway missionaries spoke of the importance of meditation-type practices in life. I referred to Paul's letter to Timothy last week where he was encouraging him in a growing life and in a life that leads other people in growth. And I didn't use this passage and then As I went back this week and as I was preparing again, I saw that earlier on Paul had said these words on the screen now. Think over what I say. How quickly can we read that and keep going? Those are instructions for life in the first clause of the the sentence. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. That's not just an emphasis. It's not just a flippant intro. Those are really important words. And it's the same word idea as to meditate. That could just as easily be translated, spend time pondering. So I want to ask you this morning, Where is your pondering time? Do you have pondering time in your week? Maybe days or in a day, depending on your life stage and your circumstances, but do you get time just to dwell on the Word of God and what you've heard and what God said to you? To meditate is to ponder. It is to wonder. It is to think on It is to chew on, and it literally translates to murmur. The Hebrew word in the Old Testament is murmur. And the first psalm that mentions meditation is Psalm 1, which is very interesting, because I think the writer David is prefacing the entire collection of 150 psalms with this one. And it reads a little bit like a model, a model psalm going in to the other 149 in the canon. And it teaches on happiness and blessing, and it teaches on the destructiveness of sin. And that's a good summary of the psalms. They're full of the blessings of righteousness, and the destruction and the destructiveness of sin. Psalm 1 teaches of the blessing of righteousness and the destructiveness of sin, and all the Psalms are a library of struggles and hope and prayer and meditation. So let's read Psalm 1, and I've underlined a few things in there, and we're going to, we're going to look at a number of these ideas that help us to hold on tight to God's word. 
Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his word day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. In verse one, I think we're seeing the development of habits. What habits not to develop. It illustrates someone on a journey, I think. They walk, they stand, and they sit. And I think the sitting speaks to, of, of being in a settled pattern. I think verse one is a progression of how not to be happy in life. And then we get to verse two, where the word meditate becomes the pivotal idea in the whole psalm. The psalm balances on that idea. And we have the twin ideas of delighting in the law of the Lord. Can you see that in verse two? and meditating on his laws day and night. They're presented as one and the same. To meditate on is to delight in. And this is the use of a Hebrew language technique that Don's talked to us about before, where one idea is put forward in two different ways. If you wanna know what it is to meditate, it's to delight. If you wanna know what delight is, it involves meditating on the Word of God. So the question that arose for me is, how do you meditate day and night? There's a lot of other things to do in life. And while meditation can take lots of different shapes and forms, it can be very elaborate, some denominations are very, very much into meditation and it's, and it's complicated and beautiful. But I want to suggest in a very simple way that meditation is not just simply having nice thoughts about God on and off. And I want to recommend that out of this text, it can be choosing small passages of God's word, memorizing them, and pondering those passages throughout the day. And I want to call it, and I'm not trying to be funny, I want to call it murmurizing. To memorize and to murmur God's word is a beautiful habit for holding on and for perseverance in life. And to repeat the word of God, a passage that's fed you, a phrase that's lit up in your heart, as you've read it or as it's been sung over you like this morning. This is not vain or empty repetition. It is not pointless babble when it's savoring and enjoying and soaking in the living word of God. The devil knows the word of God and he could probably repeat it but we savor it and love it. We're fed by it. We long for it, we choose it. 
memorize the Word of God. Last year, 2018, was possibly one of the most challenging and, and just awful years, I would say, uh, for Andrew and I. Um, we faced no less than four really ugly challenges together. We faced it together, them. And it was a tough time, personally and privately, and three of those four challenges were really painful and particularly expensive. And it was our Annus Horribilis, remember the Queen's words? And yet lots of wonderful things happened last year, it was a good year too, but I also acknowledge that, that in a community like this, just as Joe said earlier, many people are facing real struggles and challenges and many people are flying high. And I memorized my way through 2018. And the two Psalms that I, I hung on were Psalm 23 and Psalm 24. And I found myself meditating often. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down and green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He leads me. He leads me. He leads me. And then eventually it becomes, though I'm in this dreadful place, you are with me. Beautifully moves from he to you. He anoints my head. He restores my soul. He restores. Restores. Surely goodness and love, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And when I woke in the middle of the night or when I hadn't been to sleep and it was the middle of the night and the cares and the worries of the world were choking me, I murmurized. He leads me. Surely goodness and mercy. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who dwell in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. The earth is the Lord's. I murmured my way through 2018 to hold fast to the word of God and grow. I want you to notice in verse 2 as well in the psalm that our delight is in the law of the Lord. It is not under the law. There are no wasted words in Scripture. There are no throwaway phrases or terms. Our delight is in, not under. To delight in is to ponder with pleasure the promises and the guidance of God. To delight in is not to labor under a burden of heavy expectation. It's a very different thing and a liberating thing to delight in the law and not to live under the law. In speaks of relational intimacy. And this promise of Jesus is unheard of in any other religion. John 14. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me, because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, 
and you in, are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Jesus in the Father, us in Christ, Christ in us believers. This is the expression of a new intimate friendship for humanity. Like the one between the triune God in relationship, not under, not far off, not miles away. And notice also in verse three that the person who holds on to the word in meditation is like a tree planted. It's not, it doesn't say like a tree by streams of water. We can be pedantic with the word of God because there are no wasted words. It doesn't say just a tree by the water. It says a tree planted. A tree planted is deliberately placed somewhere. It is owned. It is desired by its owner. It is desired to grow and be fruitful and beautiful. A planted tree is nurtured, fed, watered, and watched over. Planted trees grow because the gardener makes sure of it. But wait, there's more. Planted trees are safe from the great uprooting and destruction of judgment day. The Bible says, Matthew 15, then the disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees are offended when they heard what you said? This is to Jesus. Jesus replied, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They're blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. You are a planted tree. You are a tree planted. You are not random. You were not created to be a wild bush. Delight in God's provision of fresh living words. When it says planted by streams, those two are not random streams. The psalm is referring to the trenches of water that the gardener places to irrigate. You are a tree planted and God has designed the circumstances of your life to feed you. Take it up. One more observation from this psalm, verse three. The delighted, meditating person yields fruit in season. See how strong and consistent are the, the themes of growth and fruitfulness right throughout Scripture. There is a sense in this phrase of yielding fruit in season that this tree isn't just yielding fruit, but that it is prolific. In fact, the message says that the 
tree will bear fruit every month. And when I first read that, I thought, oh, Eugene Peterson's gone too far. That's ridiculous. But he's right again. It's not impossible. The Jordan River Valley is a prolific production place of fruit and vegetables. I know because we used to buy our fruit and vegetables from the trucks that come up from the valley. And every day in Jordan, trucks pour up the hill way down from the Dead Sea area in the Jordan River Valley, which is below sea level, and they climb the hill and they go into town and they beep their horns and they have loudspeakers and they're saying, yalla batich, yalla bandora, yalla moles, which means let's go watermelon, let's go tomato, let's go bananas, let's go bananas, yalla moles, let's go bananas. And you hear the truck coming, and I mean, it doesn't get any fresher than this, but they are laden with fruit or vegetables or something all the time because that valley just produces crop after crop. So many, many trees in the Jordan Valley produce multiple crops a year, way more than anywhere else. And, and Andrea would send me out often, um, that was the nature of things, boys in the house, as Joe was saying, and she would say, go and get some tomatoes, or go and, can you go and see if he's got eggplant? I remembered it. <laughs> she would only give me two things, because I can't remember more than two. I would come back with something else. And she sent me out, and she said, I can hear the truck coming, but I'm not sure what he's selling. And I said, I'll go. And she said, just get me two kilos of tomatoes. And I went out, and I saw the guy, and I couldn't work out what he was saying. It didn't sound familiar. And I said, um, what have you got? And he points in the back. And I, t I looked over in the back of the truck, laden with Turkish delight. Circus delight by the ton. So I went back into the house, and Andrea says, did you get the bandora? Did you get the tomatoes? I said, not really tomatoes. It's a little bit red and shiny, and I presented two kilos of Turkish delight. And um, Andrea wasn't very impressed, but the boys loved me forever. Um, I'm still enjoying that one. Why is the Jordan River Valley so prolific? Why does it produce so much fruit? Because of ideal conditions, the soil and the climate. And this is a really good illustration for us, holding on to God's word and listening for his voice in our lives. Because the honest truth is, I know full well that God isn't speaking and shouting well. We're not hearing God speaking and shouting all the time. I know honestly that sometimes his voice can be very elusive. But reading his word and meditating on his word is about establishing habits where we're doing our best with the atmosphere and the climate and the soil of our lives so that when God does speak personally, we really hear. Psalm 119 says, I stay awake all night, prayerfully pondering your promise. In your love, listen to me. In your justice, keep me alive. And this word is a slightly different idea of meditation. It's a variation on the same word, but it literally means to converse out loud. So the psalmist is speaking out God's promises in a dual conversation with himself 
and with God listening. One of our missionaries wrote back to me out of my question that I showed you last week, and they spoke of this conversing meditation style, and I want to show you this now. This is what they said. Enjoy this. For me, holding on to God's word is part of a never-ending conversation I'm having with him. I love the Bible. I try to read it every day because God talks to me through it. However, the conversation I have with the Holy Spirit all day is the word I find myself living by here. It's beautiful. So privileged to support and know and be part of a community with people who say things like that. He's not saying he doesn't live off the word of God. He's saying it's the word of God and it feeds me and, I nour- and it nourishes me all day. A living conversation is good habit. Dallas Willard, in a book called Hearing God, said this, our union with God consists chiefly in a conversational relationship with God while we are each consistently and deeply engaged as his co-workers in the affairs of heaven. If I was a politician, I'd like to be the minister of heavenly affairs. Isn't that beautiful? A conversational relationship. Is your relationship with God conversational? Let's start talking. Habit number four, to hold on fast to the word of God and grow. Share it together. You know, without a word in English for you, plural, there's a lot of community focus and gathering focus in the Bible that we miss out on as English readers and speakers. The book of Hebrews has one of the most powerful messages on Christian gathering for us as a community, as groups of people, and it's not to be read alone. And I've spoken on this passage before, but I'm going to take a slightly different angle. Let's read Hebrews 10 from verse 23. Let us hold fast, ding dong, same word. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you, plural, see the day drawing near, capital D, judgment day. And this word, confession, means to acknowledge the truth and share it together To confess literally means to say alongside. So for me to confess something is to say it because God's saying it. It's true. I get alongside God. And to say it alongside people. This is the community of the word of God. Alongside the Holy Spirit and alongside each other. And it's not only, it's not only, but it is sometimes a private and individual exercise. The confession or expression of our hope in Jesus Christ is a community activity. To stir up is to provoke good works among us. It's the good provocation. To encourage one another is to call people near to God. Many other translations of the Bible, non-English, use the word call near to God, not encourage. That's literally what it means. 
And the text says that this habit helps us grow up with Jesus and not turn back to our old ways of thinking and behaving. That's why it says, without wavering. Holding fast to the word of God is is holding fast to hope. And hope is our confident expectation of good. I want to show you one beautiful example from the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 23, where two people, where someone encouraged someone else, and that someone gave us most of the Psalms. This is David and Jonathan. While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. That's a scary threat. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. Jonathan helped his friend to find strength in God by getting alongside him and telling him what is true. And Jonathan strengthened David with a promise which he knew to be true because he knew the Father. Guys, this is our life together. Together we hold on to the promises of God and together we grow because we know the Father. Habit five, obey it. We're getting shorter and shorter. Ask yourself and others this question. Very simple, very beautiful, very powerful. Care group, connect group, Sunday morning, personal devotions, chat around the water cooler. What does obedience look like in this word? What will I do this week to obey this word. In the very parable at the beginning of the series, it comes a little bit later on where there's so many people gathered around Jesus and listening to him that his mum and his brothers can't get up close and see him and personally be right there. And they're outside because of the crowd and some of the disciples say, Jesus, your mum and your brothers are outside. They want to see you. And he says, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Of course, he wasn't dissing his mum and his family. He was making an amazing example of the fact that the way to be close to Jesus, like family, like a mum and a brother, like a son and a brother and a sibling, is to put into practice what he says. Obey the word of God. Hold on tight and grow. Habit six, share it with those who don't know it. Again, connect groups. Sunday morning, Sunday night, wherever you are, wherever the word, wherever God's promises and God's instructions and God's guidance have been brought out into the open, ask yourselves and ask each other and ask me, who can I share this word with this week? You don't have to know it off by heart, although that's cool, but... Put it into your own language and say it with your own style. Who can I share this word with this week? 
And finally, habit seven. I was going to say any guesses, but no, don't do that. Pray it. Pray the word of God. Don has spoken previously and regularly and wonderfully on this subject, and I'm not going to say any more than quote one of our gateway missionaries. Another one said this. To neglect prayer is to neglect our dependence on God himself and our need for the Holy Spirit. Create space in your day. Actually schedule it in if you need to. Time to contend for evidence of God's spirit at work in us and through us. Since doing this, we have experienced new freedom, healings, salvation among our neighbors, joy in the work, and unity. Wow. Contending for evidence of God's spirit at work. Let's have the musicians back to join me, please. Seven habits. God's voice in our lives is the sustaining and equipping thing of life. Holding fast to his word with good habits is the key to growing up and persevering. I want to show you a photo. Um, I grew up in Wellington. And um, it's a little bit hard to see, but if you've been to Wellington and if you've ever seen the Michael Fowler Center, it is a world-class town hall. And if you haven't seen it in the picture there, I hope you can make out that the Michael Fowler Center is a strange concoction of materials and shapes and walls and angles. There are curves there are hanging things, there are circles, there are squares, there are edges. There's really very little uniform about it, and yet it's a beautiful place. The thing is, the acoustics are amazing. The listening experience is fantastic from any seat in the house. And so it is with our lives, holding on to God's word reading it, studying it, meditating it, sharing it with others in our Christian groups, obeying it, sharing it with those who don't know it, and praying it is about creating spaces and times and people and conditions in our lives that make for good spiritual acoustics. This is the life that hears God. This is the life that grows. This is the life that perseveres. May it be so for us. Thanks for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. Again, check out gatewaychurch.org.nz to find out what's going on within our church.